So we are, I guess, on the second half of a series on prayer. I hope it has been helpful. Um, and our jumping off point this morning, as we talk about prayer as a two-way conversation, is John chapter 16. John 16, and we're going to read verses 5 to 15. John 16. It is on page 1678 if you're following along in your pew Bibles, most of them. Otherwise, the words will be on the screen as well. John 16, beginning at verse 5, uh, this is Jesus talking to his disciples, okay? He says to them, Now I am going to him who sent me, yet none of you asks me, Where are you going? Because I have said these things, you are filled with grief. Uh, The disciples were sad that Jesus was telling them that he was going away. But I tell you the truth, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes... He will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment, in regard to sin because men do not believe in me, in regard to righteousness because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer, and in regard to judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. And then we might as well read verse 16 too. In a little while, you will see me no more. And then after a little while, you will see me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So thus far in our series, we have taken a look at some very important aspects of prayer. We have looked at God's gracious invitation to us to come to him as a father, as our heavenly father. We've talked about his incredible power to do far more than we could ever ask or imagine. We've talked about the attitudes that we should be cultivating in order to uh, achieve a healthy and robust prayer life. We talked about the categories we need to be sure to include in prayer so that it's a a well-balanced prayer with uh, adoration and confession, thanksgiving, and and then offering our requests or our supplications. We've talked about the reasons our prayers are not always answered the way that we want. That was a tough one last week. It's one that we struggle with throughout our whole lives. Well, that said, all of this great information teaches us how to pray effectively But it's kind of like I said last week, all this good information is not going to do us any good unless and until 
we slow down long enough to actually pray. And I would argue, I'd argue this for myself, I'd argue this for most of you as well, I'd argue that we are probably far too busy for our own spiritual health. I mean, we are... It's partly our fault, it's partly the culture that we live in which exerts a great deal of force, a great deal of pressure. And we are culturally conditioned to believe that that time is money, right? That's why we talk about uh, managing time, we talk about using our time efficiently and profitably, and, and as a result of our concern, we talk a lot about dealing with time pressures. And so many of us find ourselves starting earlier, working later, taking work home, making phone calls in the car, taking a laptop wherever we go. Performance, performance, performance. It is the key to promotion. It is the key to an increase in our compensation or our salaries. It is, it is a key to uh, amassing power and influence that serve us well in the societies in which we live. And you know, I can tell you from experience that getting caught up in that intense pace can be very rewarding can be very, very satisfying. I mean, it is exciting when you've got a full docket of things to do in a given day and in a given week, and it's exciting when your adrenaline starts to flow and when you start accomplishing things, and man, your body just has chemicals that reinforce that all the way through. It's awesome to get on a roll. But you know... Patterning our lives like that, that go, 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 that constant pace, leaves precious little time to have quiet moments with God. And you know, I don't, you don't have to be in business to be um, dealing with this sort of pressure and this kind of busyness. I mean, women with small children know just what it means to go, go, go all day long as well. Never a dull moment, never a reflective moment either. And you know, I ask myself from time to time, where does the still, small voice of God fit into our hectic lives? When do we allow the Holy Spirit, who Jesus talked about in our scripture passage as this amazing gift, when do we allow him to lead us and to guide us and to correct us and to affirm us? I mean, really, it boils down to the question, how can we lead truly authentic Christian lives? Because if we're too busy to be spending time with God, you can bet that there are a great deal of inconsistencies and a great lack of integrity with regard to your life as it is measured up against your spiritual life. Because the fact is, authentic Christianity is not achieved by learning a set of doctrines real well. I'm not saying doctrine's not important, but that is not, that is not the core of the Christian life. The Christian life is a supernatural walk with a living and dynamic and ever-communicating God. 
And the heart and soul of the Christian life is learning to hear God's voice and and, uh, kind of building up the courage to to follow his leadings and to obey uh, what he tells us to do. Authentic Christianity, I hope, is what we all desire and what we all strive for in life. Authentic Christianity characterized by, uh, you know, deeper character, ever-deepening character, uh, fresher ideas, greater courage, stronger leadership in, in every context, every sphere of society. Authentic Christianity uh, involves uh, a more genuine compassion and, and empathy to brothers and sisters in Christ. It, it involves concrete, lived-out convictions, doctrine uh, coming to life in our behaviors and in our words. Authentic Christians, I, I'm, I'm sure that you've come across some of them, and you can point to some of them in your own lives Authentic Christians are joyful uh, in spite of difficult circumstances, show wisdom beyond their years. Psalm 1, verses 2 and 3 says, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields fruit in its season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. It sounds like a good life to me. Unfortunately, few Christians ever reach this level of authenticity. It's not because we are kind of incapable of reaching those levels. It's it's because most of us are just far too busy with other things. We're not putting the time into our relationship with God. And I would actually argue that that busyness is one of the greatest enemies of spiritual authenticity. I also think that busyness is closely tied with, with something else that we think of much more negatively in a church context, and that is what the Bible calls worldliness. Getting totally caught up in, in cultural agendas and culture, uh, cultural objectives and, and cultural activities at the expense of walking with God as a priority. Well, any way you look at it, the point I'm trying to make here this morning is that a key ingredient to authentic, thriving Christianity is time. Not leftover time, not throwaway time, but quality time. Time for contemplation, time for reflection, time for meditation, unhurried, uninterrupted time. And speaking of time, I might as well put the challenge out to you earlier rather than later. Is it time to to make that commitment? Make that commitment not to be satisfied with just going through the motions of being a Christian. Uh, Time to make the commitment to pay whatever price is necessary to enjoy an authentic walk with your Savior, Lord and King, Jesus Christ. I mean, can you think of anything in this world that is greater or of more lasting importance than that? And yet, if you're anything like me, you're 
you'll totally acknowledge that's the most important thing, but you'll also say, you know, there's a lot of other things too, and I've got time. I've got time. Not right now. I've got time later. But when later comes, do we have more time? We, we don't, right? Because we're always going to find things to fill our time. And yet we all live our lives doing the things that matter a little bit less and putting off the things that matter more. And that's what I need to be confronted with sometimes. And I suspect that that's what you need to be confronted with maybe this morning. Can you think of anything in this world of greater or more lasting importance than pursuing diligently, joyfully your relationship with your Savior, Jesus Christ? And I want you to consider in that context and in the context of this series on prayer, what a great honor it is. We take this for granted sometimes to be able to speak to the almighty God, little old me, little old you is invited to speak to the almighty God, not just come in a formal way, but you know what? As a beloved child to a father. And we don't have to go through priests or pastors or saints or other intermediaries. We don't have to follow like really technical prescribed rituals. We don't have to wait for an appointment. Anywhere, anytime, under any circumstance, we can approach the throne of grace and the throne of God with confidence to receive mercy and to find grace and to help us in our times of need and our times of joy. Hebrews 4 verse 16 says, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Says so right in the Bible. A scriptural truth. It's ironic, though. It's ironic to me, and this is kind of the other aspect that I want to explore for a few minutes this morning, that throughout most of my life, and maybe it's the same for you, I've always thought of prayer as primarily talking to God. Ah, this is my opportunity to just unload on God. God, let me tell you everything that I'm thinking about. That's fine. That's what God invites us to do. But, at least for myself, only until recently, I've rarely stopped to wonder whether God might want to talk to me, okay? See, Scripture tells us that God desires to speak to us. And scripture also tells us that God does speak to us in a number of ways. And I think it would be helpful for us this morning to be reminded about what those ways are, because, because that is part and parcel to investing in what is most important, investing our time in what is most important in these limited days that we have. One way that God speaks to us is through his word. That's the primary way. As we read the Bible and consider it and ponder it, meditate on it, God, through the power of his Holy Spirit, applies it to our lives. So that's the main one, okay? And I say main one, that's the foundational one. That's God's word on paper, okay? It's, it's something that we can use as a reference. 
And it's the foundational one because some of these other ones can get a little bit subjective unless we are circling back to the word for confirmation and for affirmation that, that the leadings that we are sensing from God are consistent with what he has revealed in a concrete way to us is his plan and is his purposes. Another powerful way that God speaks to us, though, is through people, through fellow Christians, through brothers and sisters in Christ. God speaks to us through uh, those people who provide us with, with timely material gifts when, when perhaps we're struggling in material ways. God speaks to us through those who, who take the, the time to understand our grief and seek to console us. We've had a couple of deaths in our congregation related to in, in recent weeks and months, and, and we are good. I feel like we are a good community of people with regard to supporting our brothers and sisters who are grieving loss. God speaks to us through mentors and counselors who point us to the path that God has chosen for us and laid out before us because sometimes we have a difficult time seeing that on our own. And a third way God speaks to us that has perhaps the most to do with the scripture passage that we read a few minutes ago, the third way that God speaks to us is through direct leadings of the Holy Spirit. Scripture tells us that, that the Spirit is ready and willing and able to communicate with us. Scripture tells us that the Holy Spirit leads and rebukes and, and confirms and affirms and confronts and illuminates and brings assurance. John 14, verse 16 says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. And so I would argue that it makes no sense, and I think that some Christians do feel this way, but I don't think it makes sense. It makes no sense to believe that God lost his voice at the end of the first century. I mean, if the essence of a uh, Christian faith is a personal relationship between the almighty God and, and individual human beings, it stands to reason that God still speaks to believers today. I mean, you can't build a relationship where there's communication only going one way, correct? You need frequent sustained, intimate, intentional contact between two parties, both of whom speak and both of whom listen. I would also argue that listening to God through his Holy Spirit is not only normal for the Christian, normal for the believer, it's essential. Romans 8 verse 9 says, this is Paul speaking, you, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. That's a pretty absolute statement. See, once a person turns his or her life over to Jesus Christ, it is no longer business as usual as it is for everyone else in this world. Because life no longer consists of only what we can uh, taste, touch, see, smell, feel. 
Life no longer consists of only what we can figure out using our human logic. Christian life includes living by faith. And living by faith means opening yourself up to the miraculous ministry of the Holy Spirit. And by that, I'm not saying that you need to experience a a leading every hour or a vision every day or a miracle every week. That's not really what I'm talking about, although I would welcome those things. I have welcomed those things. But I don't think that we should go to the other extreme either when it comes to listening to God's voice. I mean, a lot of people in our tradition... Our tradition meaning reformed, a little bit more formal, a little bit more intellectually rigorous. You know, we love our theology, but, you know, let's not talk about feelings too much. In reaction to obvious misinterpretations and abuses of Holy Spirit theology, um, some Christians, like perhaps some of us, run totally in the opposite direction and become uh, anti-supernaturalists, okay? I don't think that's right either. I mean, for some of us, promptings of the Holy Spirit um, seem to go against human nature and, and conventional thought patterns. For some of us, the promptings of the Holy Spirit um, are, you know, scary and weird. And, you know, I like the control that I have in my life. And, and what if God, you know, confronts me and wants me to do something completely different? I don't know if I could deal with that. A lot of us, <coughs> me included, are accustomed and used to walking by sight rather than walking by faith. Steering our own ships, making unilateral decisions. And for those of us who cling a little bit too tightly to that way of life, it's easy to refuse to even allow the Holy Spirit to begin his supernatural ministry in our lives. As I said, the Holy Spirit is unpredictable, mysterious, unnerving, scary. And so many Christians, when they, when they actually receive a leading from the Holy Spirit, they resist it, overanalyze it, conclude it's not logical, therefore I am not going to pay attention to it. They question the Holy Spirit's guidance and rebuke and comfort and illumination and, and power. And I think these reactions are perfectly understandable. I don't think they're justifiable, but I certainly understand them. But I also think, and I think it more and more as I get older, that the result of automatically resisting the supernatural guidance that God wants to give us is unfortunate. I mean, to say it really harshly, It's a way of cutting ourselves off from God's direction. And to say it a little bit more lightly, what we're cutting ourselves off from um, makes our Christian faith and Christian walk um, pretty boring and pretty predictable and, and often past tense, which that's not the kind of Christian that I want to be. So let's uh let's flip it to the positive. Why are listening Uh, seeking out, listening to the Holy Spirit's leadings in your life uh, so important. And this is kind of where we're going to finish up. A couple pages left. But listen to these reasons why 
Submitting our lives to the Holy Spirit are important. First, your eternal destiny is determined by how you respond to the leadings of God. That's the big one, okay? That's the, that's the umbrella, that's the overarching one. If you ask several uh, seasoned uh, believers, mature believers, how they came to faith in Jesus Christ, you would probably hear a similar pattern in their experience. Most would, would refer to um, the mark that some mature Christians made in their life, and, and most would tell of actually hearing the message of Jesus Christ, the gospel, and, and some of us have been growing up in the church, but a lot of us can remember times when the gospel really hit home in a powerful way. And then in almost every case, they would mention some sort of what seemed like internal knowledge that, that just kind of drove them into the arms of Jesus Christ. Said, you know what? Yes, I'm committing my life to this. They might say something like this. Uh, when I heard what Jesus did for me and truly understood it, I had this feeling, this inner pull to learn more to walk down that path of faith and, and actually see what was at the end of it. It was as if I was being led toward Christ. And John 6, incidentally, says this, no one can come to me, this is Jesus speaking again, unless the Father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up on that last day. So that's perfectly consistent with scripture. God in the person of the Holy Spirit draws and loves and urges and leads seekers to the cross. Second reason why listening to the Holy Spirit, submitting your life to the Holy Spirit is important is that leadings from the Holy Spirit are important because they give you assurance as a Christian. Your assurance as a Christian depends in great part, in great measure, on you listening to what God has to say to you. Romans 8, verse 16, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. In other words, the Holy Spirit whispers and pulls, making impressions upon our spirits, on the spirits of true believers. He testifies that, that we can experience true joy because we have trusted in the right person, because we have trusted in Jesus Christ, that we can experience true joy because we have actually become part of God's own family in a hundred different ways, using all kinds of different leadings, the Holy Spirit comforts and communicates with believers, convincing them that they can have absolute confidence in their salvation. And that is why that is why we can live the way that we live. It struck me yesterday at Brian Lemoness's funeral. Why we can live unafraid of death. Because the Holy Spirit has assured us of where we are going to be beyond the grave. God promises that kind of assurance to his beloved children. And he gives us that assurance through the communication of the Holy Spirit, through the leading of the Holy Spirit. And if your experience is not like that, it might be because you have not yet put your complete trust in Jesus Christ. It might be because you're still trying to earn your own ticket to heaven. But even that, brothers and sisters, that can work to your benefit because even your anxiety about it can be your best friend if 
it drives you into Christ's arms. If it drives you into Christ's arms. The third reason that the Holy Spirit's leadings are important is this. Your growth as a Christian depends on receiving and responding to them. John 16, 13, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. Holy Spirit, brothers and sisters, will prompt you and will guide you as you read and obey the word, right? We use these ways that God communicates to us together. We have all of these tools in our tool belts. It's important to use them. As believers, of course, we are responsible to obey God's entire word. But you guys know as well as I do, the Bible is a big book, and we can't really swallow it all at once. And so God often gives his truth in amounts that we can uh, realistically process, and he does so through the Holy Spirit. That is why it's important to remain sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leadings, and it's important to cooperate as we receive them, and we can trust the Holy Spirit to guide us in all truth and help us to grow up as Christians. Now, that don't take this the wrong way. It doesn't mean that we can take portions of Scripture and ignore them and say, well, that's not what the Holy Spirit is kind of emphasizing in my life right now. No, we're responsible. We're responsible to acknowledge and, and live in obedience to God's entire word. But, but that said, the Holy Spirit, at least in my experience, does tend to emphasize different areas of life and different areas of struggle and sin at different times. Finally, the fourth reason you need to be attuned to the leadings of the Holy Spirit is that your life plans are greatly affected by how you receive and respond to God's leadings. This is taking it from an eternal perspective to a bit more temporal one. But the message is this. The message of Jesus Christ in giving us the Holy Spirit is this. You matter to God. You matter to God. He made you. And he knows what will bring you the greatest fulfillment in life. And that is why he wants to guide us in that. He knows uh, what vocation is best suited for your talents and abilities. That's why he wants to communicate that to us. He knows if you should marry or remain single. That's why he creates a means to communicate with us. He knows what church that you will flourish in. God gives us the Holy Spirit to guide us in those decisions. And this ultimately is what he says to you. He says, I want to guide your life. I know the path that will, will glorify me the most and be the most productive for you. And I want to put you on that path. Just slow down. Quiet your life and listen to me. Follow where I lead and hang on tight. Amen. Let's pray.